0: Hey, gems. Welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: All right. I am Alicia Washington I currently uh, am a LPC associate here in Houston Texas. I'm based out of uh, Houston but I'm you know, licensed in the state of Texas. I see clients um, in prison so I work at three penitentiaries here in the state of Texas and I also do private practice with the COPE Clinic. Um, I have been doing uh, crisis work and work with those who have been in domestic violence situations, trafficked women since around I want to say 2013 um, I I am uh, working with the women and men but specifically women of color who are dealing with issues with, uh, self-worth, self-esteem. Um, and then of course, having issues with transition. So going from school to professional life and then also going into, uh, what adulting kind of looks like. So that's what my, uh, my specialty is. And of course, I do trauma work in the prisons. Um, I don't work on, you know, things of, uh, substance abuse, but I find myself delving into that more and more each day. Um, and that is me. That's what I do here.
0: Yes, that is the work. So um, I used to work at Juvie, so I would work with um, you know the the kids that were um, in the detention center, and and it's it's deep work, you know what I mean. Even um, working with women on self esteem and um, you know just those transition periods is really challenging too. And so um, I would love to hear more about maybe what's drawn you to the populations that you do work with, and um, how how that work looks in, in your room. Cause every therapist is a little bit different um, and has a different approach. So I would love to hear yeah. a little bit about like how you work with those clients and help them.
1: So I do uh, identify as a narrative therapist uh, due to the fact that I work with mostly women and men of color. Um, and so I allow the space to be a storytelling. So they're telling me what their what their story looks like from their vision. And then we work to reframe things so that they can feel strong and so they can re- feel resilient and then create a plan to not go back to old ways um, or to even retell old narratives. And so that's what I do, you know, within the prison walls out. And what drew me to it is uh, prison reform in high school. I was so big on, you know, saving money in America, keeping things from offshore, you know, letting the inmates get skills. So when they get back into the free world, they're just not all, you know, scattered. But then I realized as an adult how much money it would cost to reform a system. And I was like, OK, so let me just be impactful individually. So I, I do call my method the drop of water. I just want to make a ripple effect um, as much as I can do for the inmates, make an impact so they know somebody cares about them um, within um conversations about me working in a prison. People say, well, how can you work with murderers and molesters and, and drug traffickers and all these different things? People are not deplorable. People make decisions that are not great. People have motives that are not great. Um, but everyone wants to be like Jesus. They're like, what would Jesus do? And they want the compassion of Christ. But then when it comes to someone making a mistake, they are thinking, throw them away put them under the jail as if they cannot be in those, per- those people's shoes. So that's what keeps me going to work each day is knowing that I'm treating a person like God treats me. Like I can get another chance. I can do it again. And um, that that's what kind of helps me to, to maintain, um, I guess, my role in being, uh, I guess, a medium in between the society and them. <laughs>
0: I love that you mentioned the drop of water method and that you know all we can do is what's right Within our circle of influence, or you know, the, the the immediate environment around us, or the immediate people that we can have some mm-hmm. level of um, an effect on, and hope that that spreads. Um, and I love that you mentioned, you know, you are seeking to help and treat your clients the way that you see God treating you. And one of the things that I used to wonder about in school was like, I was like, is it ethical or unethical to like pray for my clients? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like uh, driving to work, <laughs> driving home, and stuff. I'm like, is this something I'm supposed, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm not like, my life isn't ruled by school, but it's a question that I had. And, and, um, you know, our own, our own spiritual way of being, you know, can come into our work, um, in a purposeful way. And I think that you having that lens is really important because nobody is exempt from having made poor choices at some point in their life. You know what I mean? Um, and, right. and That's for right. us to pass. <laughs> judgment on people for, for their decisions. While we're not excusing someone's behavior or anything like that, we're just saying, okay, where are we at now? And how do we help a person change the way that they move forward? Because we know that recidivism rates are also very yes. high. So if we don't you know, address Extremely. whatever the court issue is, then we're not going to be able to really actually, um, you know, reform, you know, um, our communities and the system and the way that things are going, you know?
1: That's right. Everything you're saying is the reason why I do the work that I do, you um, Because when people don't feel seen and understood and heard, they feel alone and then they don't want to experience feelings and they reach out to poor relationships or they have poor relationships with other substances. Um, And then they, they, they pass off those same habits to their children. And so it's not even such a small, it's not a micro thing. It's very, it's very much generational. Um, You know, the, the trend that I'm seeing is uh, poor uh, social habits, and then of course uh, the sexual abuse as as children. Like um, incest is really big, um, and then of course just early child early um, childhood drug use. Five is the earliest I've heard, but I'm pretty sure, you know, they were coming out of the womb addicted to heroin, addicted to methadone and things like that. Um, I have to do some psychoeducation within the um, within the prison walls about, you know, what drugs really do to your brain and, you know, cognitively how they're functioning and different things like that. Um, And I I like that you ask, is it okay to pray for your clients? Um, I find it to be a disservice when I don't. Um, I, I there are some spirits in the prison. I'll say that when you open yourself up to drugs and different things like that, you say yes to a lot of stuff that you just don't know um, exactly what you're agreeing to. And so um, prayer is so important um, because they don't, they don't know that you're doing it, but you can see the effects of it. And so that's why I like that. It's a, it's a pretty discreet relationship or, or conversation between me and God that helps other people. And so that's why um, I, I think it's ethical, um, you know, Being spiritual before being professional, but that's my own.
0: (laughs) I love it. So, a lot of what you're mentioning is making me think of boundaries. And I'm sure you have ideas or thoughts around how people can, you know, start to evaluate and implement boundaries that are healthy for them. So, I'd love to hear your take on, you know, what that looks like when you suggest or see that someone might have boundary issues um, and how you kind of seek to help them start to address those.
1: Um, so, boundary issues in prison, or boundary issues in general? There's, yeah, there's lots of. I di- mean, yeah. it's different depending on the setting. Okay, so in general, um, when we talk about boundaries, it's what you allow in, and, and it's what it's not really what you allow; in, it's what you permit. So some things can come in, but they they must leave. And so we talk about this door. um, Say Amazon comes to drop off a package and you're like, I didn't order any Amazon package. So either you're like really excited for this surprise or you're kind of like hesitant to let this thing in. And so your boundaries sometimes are based off experience. If you know that in the past you've had strange packages come to the door, you've had this thing happen, then you're really hesitant to let this thing happen again. Um, But similarly, if you have been surprised in the past and you just wanted to see and you're curious, you can do that too because boundaries are fluid um, many times. But then they have some really, really hard boundaries that are difficult to enforce because we have to make somebody else uncomfortable by saying no. Um, but so teaching boundaries is really letting people know you are not in control of other people's comfort. You do not have to make someone else comfortable so that so that you can you know make sure everyone's okay. Codependency is huge in prison. Everybody wants everyone to be okay, so they were just kind of going through life. Soothing other people, doing things for other people. And then at the end of it, they're resentful. Like, why did I give my life away? Why did I give my safety away? Why is my future now gone because of this thing? And it's because of poor boundaries. And of course, not having that independent or interdependent, um, you know, habits. And so it's something to unlearn rather than to learn boundaries. just unlearn poor boundaries. Um, but uh, I believe... For me, my boundary journey is still going on. I'm still enforcing the word no as often as I can um, for things that I absolutely don't want to do. Um, So I do encourage people who are working on their boundaries to not give up on the journey. It's not a a quick fix, I will say that.
0: I love it. Yes. This year, I one year I did year of yes because I read Shonda Rhyme's book. I was like, okay, year of yes. I'm gonna say yes to things, you know. And I'm like, okay, that season is over, girl. We need to sh- we need to shift. We need to go <laughs> into year of no. Okay. We're going into year of no, where we have to really um analyze the things, the offers, the the um the things that people bring to us. And sometimes it's not even like uh, overtly said, right. But every interaction that you have is an exchange. And so in all of those exchanges, we have to kind of quickly, right. Be able to say, does this align with where I'm at and where I'm going? And then Mm -hmm. do I, you know, have to say no in this situation and recognize that I am not responsible for someone else's perception of my yes or no. Mm -hmm. And I have to stand grounded in who I am and, and who I know, you know, created me in order to, um, move on anyway. Cause it may just mean those boundaries need to change in that situation. If someone is not willing to, um, respect or, uh, essentially, you know, validate or meet me halfway in that, you know, that's exactly right.
1: Um, I believe that we came into this conversation, um, to talk about church hurt and what I found in the boundaries that I had just a few years ago, I was deeply enmeshed in the church. I was serving on anything. I was doing any Name it. I was doing it um, and because I couldn't say no. I felt dutiful to God. I felt like my labor is not in vain. My reward is in heaven. I was just very much in a guilty place with God, but I should have been serving as unto the Lord with joy. But I was really just serving people thinking that was going to be pleasing, but God was already pleased. Just my heart turned in that direction. He was already pleased, but I was thinking, okay, if this man or this woman or this person or this leader wasn't happy, then I haven't done enough. So I was filling my plate with stuff but my spiritual life was lacking and that's when i noticed like uh you need to reinforce your boundaries you need to do it quickly um and you know and i i didn't i wasn't afraid of the change up you know somebody's like wow you used to say yes to this a lot or you used to do this all the time i was not afraid of the change up i could be brand new every day <laughs> to reinvent myself and to reinvent my boundaries so that i could have some peace and it was really really effective in kind of healing some of the hurt i had from feeling used and feeling overlooked and things like that because i i had to move my value from people to what the word of God had to say about what I was doing in the church. So I think that boundaries are important because they go with you where you go. They don't just change. Whenever you hit a new, a new setting, they go where you go. Um, and they do what you say, do they are obedient unto you. So I just, um, I love that, uh, that you asked me about boundaries. That's really important. It helped me just now.
0: <laughs> no, you, you already mm-hmm. kind of hit on it and I'm glad. The conversation that set up and, and led us to this place because, you know, what you mentioned about how other people struggle that you work with, which is also, you know, individually a struggle that you're continuing to work out, a struggle that I'm continuing to work out. I've had my own church hurt. Um, is that our shift went from, or their shift went from, you know, understanding that we're supposed to be um, only working to uh, serve, right? One, not all, not the person down the street, not your boss, not your cousin, Mm -hmm. not your parent. That doesn't mean we're being disrespectful or that we're, you know, hurting or harming, you know, the that we have in our lives, but that everything has to be filtered through the understanding that it all comes back to serving one, as opposed to everybody. Because humans are also fickle, like <laughs> the, what they want and what they they say they need. changes. okay, um, and so that is that it is. is. A- that has to happen, you know, mentally and spiritually. And it's, I think it's kind of like death by Mm -hmm. a thousand cuts because we don't realize that it's these little tiny boundary violations or these little ways that we compromise ourselves or settle or forget, or, you know, Mm -hmm. don't have the clarity um, spiritually that then turn into feeling like, huh, I'm doing all this stuff and what, hmm so and so said something to me, and I felt some type of way about it right? or you know and and so it's all these little things as opposed to one huge event, and I think that's what makes it so challenging. Would you agree?
1: I agree a hundred percent um none of these things happened overnight uh, offenses can be huge it can drive you straight out of the church being offended um but the small compromises they they kind of turn you from being a form, a form of a person, a solid form into something more flexible, something more pliable. So then you're pulled every which way because you cannot say no. So your feet aren't planted anywhere. They're just all over the place. So whenever you sense her back and you say, God, what is my purpose? Your purpose is not to help every sister with the wedding. Okay. Your purpose is not to, you know, yeah. every single time somebody asks for a glass of water, you're the one. Everyone has a part there. There are many members to one body and to think that you have to say yes, because you do things well. It's, you know, that's it's, it's completely out of, it's out of reason. And, um, People are people. When you do a good job and you are joyful in doing what you do, people are like, I want her on my team. That's natural. That's in anybody's workplace, friendships, anybody. And so I don't fault the church for utilizing me the way that they have. But I do fault me at times for not being able to say, no, I can't handle that. My plate is full. Um, You know, I don't have the energy for it. I need help with this. Some of those things I never verbalized. And those are some of the regrets I have. Regret is a strong word. But those are some of the things I wish I had changed. Um, That's the same thing. That is regret. Well, there we go. Those are some of my regrets. Um, But I think that church hurt again can be caused by a large offense. Somebody really pressing a button that you didn't even know you had.
0: Yeah. Yes, 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 and I you know, I think it's really important to be able to be honest with yourself, and that's what I'm hearing you kind of say is um, we can't put f- like a complete blame on someone else or on um an organization or the church at, at large um because we may have had contributions in the situation as far as you know not um, being aware of how something made us feel or, you know, not advocating, um, maybe in times or speaking up for something that we were not maybe fully on board with, or, you know, something that we would have not necessarily wanted to do or do a different way. And so I think that that's difficult for people sometimes to practice that honesty with ourselves because maybe it doesn't feel good or, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's tough to kind of look at yourself and say, oh man, I got to change something. I got to do something different. Um, Um, But that's the only place that you can be and actually have an influence or shift anything in your life, you know.
1: But even in saying that and taking agency over your um, over your next move is difficult for many people, um, especially people of color. We are somebody we're people. We are long-handed, long handed, long, long ladled spoon people like, oh, I don't really care about her, but I'm about to serve her from a long handled spoon. I hear it so much. Um, and we weren't created to love like that. We weren't created to love at a distance that way. This is where boundaries come in. So you don't have to be so distant and so phony and so uh, superficial. You can be real, but you can really let people know what your capabilities are and what you're willing to do and what you're not um, And with the offenses. Sometimes it's easier to close ourselves off and to make ourselves callous and make ourselves hard. Uh uh, I'm only here to serve the Lord. Uh uh, no. And so instead of it just being something that we work on, we just close everyone off. We change our attitudes. We change the way we treat others. Um, and we were made to be connected. We were created to be connected to someone else to to lend a hand and to have a hand lended to us. Um, and to block those things off because our feelings are hurt. That's literally saying, God, I don't want your test. The moment you say yes to God, you say yes to all his enemies because they're coming for you just like they came for him. There's there's no way you can say, yes, I want God and the enemy overlook you. Why would God want you so much and the enemy want you so much if you weren't precious? There are going to be some tests involved if you really want to go where he's going, okay? The Bible says, let the wheat and the tear grow together. You're in the church trying to make it, trying to be healed, trying to be whole. There's somebody in the church doing some manipulative things that the enemy has planted them in the church for. And so when we take our eyes off the enemy, this enemy has never taken his eyes off for us. He has never fallen asleep. He is not. You are on his mind all the time because he wants you to be miserable like him and never have forgiveness. That is not what we want to be. So, I mean, I had to put on my big girl panties and think, like, oh my gosh, is this a test? Like, am I supposed to learn something about myself? So, I'm looking at all this going on, getting my feelings hurt, but really looking like, okay, you got buttons all over your shirt and they pressing buttons because you haven't given it away. You don't have enough patience. You thought you had enough compassion. Your love is really conditional. And you said you wanted agape. The things that I was praying for, I wasn't ready for the test. And so I let myself get offended over and over and over and over. And when the Bible says offenses will come, it literally tells you they don't come. But woe unto the person that gives you offense. Woe unto them. <laughs> but you're going to be offended, sis. That's just plain and simple. Um, but handling offenses is what I was missing. Um I didn't want to talk to the person that hurt my feelings because they might not have thought it was that severe. I didn't want to take it to church leaders. I didn't want to talk about it. You know, I didn't want to seem like an adult with hurt feelings. I didn't want that. Um, And I think that's where we depart from the word of God. It was when we lean on our own feelings rather than, you know, going back to exactly how the instructions are given to handle one another with love. Um, And, you know, it's it's something we grow into (laughs) because nobody likes their feelings to be hurt. Nobody likes to be hurt, but this is the kind of growth that's needed.
0: Yeah. So I, I would love to hear, you know, your thoughts on where you think or feel like be healing begins or um, what that process kind of looks like after, okay, there's either been a huge offense or these little slights, these death definitely a thousand cuts. Like what does someone do when they come to the awareness of how they feel in a situation to start moving more toward healing and alignment and, and getting back on track?
1: Yes. Um, the first thing that you want to do is to acknowledge that you've been hurt. Um, it's not people think it's a superficial wound, but it's cutting much deeper. Um, most people don't notice a paper cut until they put hand sanitizer on. OK, but, you know, it's the difference between a paper cut in a in a deep wound and to acknowledge what type of offense that has been taking place. Like, why did this even hurt my feelings? I thought I was over this. I thought I had laid this down at the altar. And then you find that it's still there. Um, And so when we talk about awareness, it's the first thing is to even see that you have something going on. Um, Secondly, you have to know that you have a defense. Uh, The Bible says, you know, woe unto those who offend the little ones because it's better to have a millstone around your neck and cast into the sea. God is already handling people who are offending you. You know, he's already taking care of these people because it's better for you to sink with a millstone around your neck than to offend someone who's just trying to serve God. You know, so if somebody really went out of their way to get to do that, to step on your toes, God is already going to take care of that. So you got to already remember that there's a defense that you don't have to fight this battle by yourself. And then, of course, um, going to that person, you know, it takes courage to let someone know, hey, the thing that you just did, it, it bothered me or this thing that you just did. It just, you know, hurt my feelings or it offended me because you already knew this or I've already said this. And the thing that you've done has made me feel like this. And so to to let this person know this is how you made me feel, but not putting it on them like you did this to me, you did this to me, you did this to me because it's about them. No, this is how I felt when you did this thing. So it's about me changing your language when you're communicating a hurt. It's going to definitely make the apology process or the healing process, forgiveness process a bit easier. If this person shrugs you off and says, I didn't do anything, sis. You're just being sensitive. Get out of my face and gaslight you. Then you take it to another person. Let a third party be in the midst so they know. Okay, so maybe you are taking it a little harsh, ma'am. Are you stressing out? Do you have some other things going on so they can talk to you? Or does this person have a habit of doing these things? and they need to have a sit down. This is why the third party can be involved. And then if that person is like, no, I don't care what you have to say. You're all judgmental because this can always, this can always happen. Someone's attitude can take them way further than they thought they would ever go. And then you take it to a leader, take it to a church leader. That person can give spiritual guidance. That person can help guide you to a healing place or they can help this other person acknowledge pride or acknowledge other things that may be working inside of them that they think that they're, you know, they've surpassed. Um, and then, of course, the last step into um, uh, to getting over an offense, as the Bible says, is if this person is not receiving any of you, then they will be exiled from the church. Now, this is very archaic. This Most likely in real life church, nobody's going to get kicked out. But it is something to be to be said about the support that you'll need when someone offends you and you're still trying to stay connected in the body with them. You know, we give up so easily. When things don't go our way and when we're hurt because we're wounded. But when we have help with the patch up job and we have help with the antibiotics, we have help from other people to support us during this time. And of course, it's being real with ourselves. This hurt me and this hurt me because of this. It's going to full circle. And then the next time it happens, it's going to roll off of you like, you know, water off a duck's back because you're not going to be as phased because you've healed from it properly the first time and you're going to have a boundary set. Hey, you know, I work Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, and it sounds like you put me on a schedule for this time to do this particular thing. I need you to go ahead and put somebody else over here. I know it's last minute, but you already knew what my schedule looked like. And the conversation can be clean, crisp and no longer you know, offensive to anyone. Everybody can be fine instead of somebody pushing you out of your way, making you compromise your own boundaries to make things happen. Um, and I'm not saying that that's the offense because somebody really could be cheating with your husband and stuff like that. That's a whole nother level. It's going to take a little longer different um but it all starts with awareness so i think that is where we need to be um with seeing that we've been wounded
0: yeah <laughs> i love it thank you so much for to have this delicate conversation right it is really deep wounds deep-seated wounds that people oftentimes unfortunately never heal from because they never acknowledge it or they don't become aware or they don't find a way to address these things um, and then it, it essentially keeps them from you know continuing to grow spiritually in a lot of times um, and that's really sad you know and so I love that you are open and willing to have this conversation and just you know share what you believe to be the steps and I love that you gave the examples of the physical right? Because that's more tangible, I think, in our minds a lot of the times as far as um, what that process Mm -hmm. can like, since there's no physical location for heartbreak or physical location for um you know emotional pain um, to be able to have a, a metaphor to mm-hmm. see things um, through a different lens and really understand what that process looks like it is um depending on right the depending on the type of offense um, going to yes. look a little different a paper cut is different than a broken bone is different than you know a TBI and that's the same thing when it comes to these emotional hurts that we experience um yeah. But it's so important that we have more and more conversations like this. So, again, I truly appreciate you. And I don't know, do you have anything else to offer, you know, for someone who is maybe in their process of coming to this awareness and starting this healing journey?
1: Um, actually, I do, because of my personal experience with Church Heart, um, don't um, associate the pain that you feel from people with God. Um, the Bible says God is not like man. So the way that people treat you is not the way that God will respond to you. Um, You have to believe and you have to understand that God is loving and he's understanding and he's caring. And he's always waiting with his arms open for you to return to him. So even if you've been hurt and you don't want to talk to him, you don't want to talk to anybody. um, and You feel like all of it is just a waste and you're trying to find a way out. God is steadily there. His ears are not too his ears are not too heavy and his arms are not too short, um, and so you know once you get to the healing point you're always going to have a partner with God, um, and so just uh, remembering that <laughs> is um, is is one of the tidbits that I like to leave with whomever is still healing. Oh
0: wow, that is a serious gem great 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 thing to end off with and and so again just a gratitude and appreciation for all that you do the way that you're serving um and I don't know if you have anything that you would like to share as far as if you want people to be able to reach out to you if there's anyone in Houston if you've got you know any spaces open for for clients um you feel free to plug yourself and what you've got going on if you would like
1: Absolutely, and thank you for having me on the show, justin This is an uh, extreme privilege of mine. But um, I, um, I work inside of a private practice with some extremely, extremely professional women. Um, they're all women all African-American, all faith-based and all licensed. And so um, we have a physical location, but unfortunately we're all you're not unable to go in there. So we're virtual. Um, so you can follow me uh, on Instagram at, at worship.therapy. Um, the links to book with me are there. Um, and then also if you need to reach out to any of my colleagues, the website is gonna show all the women that I work with, find the one that relates to you most. Um, and of course, and you know, fill it out, great relationship therapeutic relationship find one and then you know you'll be successful at that point but you're always welcome to follow me connect with me um and see what, what's going on in the therapy land with me
0: <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast you have a few options you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded